Hey, welcome to our Thursday edition of our Journey Through Scripture podcast. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas, and uh, we are getting close. In fact, we're going to come to the end of David's life uh, today. Um, we're going to be reading 2 Samuel 24, 1 Kings 1 and 2, 1 Chronicles 21, and Psalms 4 through 6. Again, remember, we're going in chronological order, so we kind of jump around at times, um, but I, I think this... it. it it, it keeps things where it's a little bit easier to to keep straight in your head, other than the <laughs> having to to flip from one book to the other to to keep up with the reading. But uh, but I hope that you are uh, enjoying uh, kind of going through the Bible in in a little bit different way. So we uh, um, kind of finished last time with uh, with David's uh, victories and and how he had conquered things, and um, he he he's now undergone uh, or had to deal with uh, revolution. Uh, he's brought things back together again, um, and now he is getting uh, very old and coming to the end of his life. Um, and at this point, we have a, an interesting um, situation where David um, calls for a census of Israel and Judah. Um, and there were really only two reasons for taking a census. One was to draft people uh, into uh, to to battle to become soldiers, and the other was to basically draft them into forced labor. It was basically seeing uh, what you had to work with, and citizens didn't like uh, censuses because they knew that this was just a uh, the king probably had plans to use them somehow, and they were you know you think about it 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 just kind of boils you down to a number. Interestingly, this is exactly one of the things that um, was was mentioned when the people were calling for a, a, a king. Remember, we want to be like other nations, and one of the things that that God said to them is yeah, uh, that. The a king will uh, take census and will take from you and will draft you and all of these things. Well, it's coming into play. Now, what's interesting here is that we're going to see this in, in uh, 2 Samuel and then also in Chronicles in the same reading, uh, the same uh, story. Uh, 2 Samuel says, again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them uh, to say, go number Israel and Judah. So, it's kind of interesting. It, uh, it's it's nearly saying that that God pushed David to do this, um, you know, and and that kind of wording is used a lot. That that God did this or that. Um, it, it's hard to tell because in Chronicles, what you're going to see is it basically says that Satan uh, uh, spurned David on to do this. Um, we don't we don't really know for sure, but either way, we know that this was not something that was a good thing. And and what we'll see is David actually repents, and he he says, "I have done uh, evil in the eyes of God." Um, and and so we're, I, it's kind of hard to to wrestle with some of those differences here. Um, I think they're they're subtle differences, um, but. Um, many times in the Old Testament, especially uh, you know, in, in, uh, earlier on, the way that God was talked about, it was always that God did things. You know, it was kind of every every decision sometimes was a, a, ascribed to God. That was one of the ways of writing uh, way back then. That that doesn't mean that that God meticulously did it, it caused everyone to commit whatever actions they did. 
right? Because we know throughout the Old Testament too, there's a constant um, theme that you are responsible for your own actions, right? And, and that you need to uh, to choose to, to follow uh, the statutes of God. So it, it's kind of a, a tough one um, there, of, of the differences here. What, what I think, it, it's kind of a different way of perceiving it and a different way of writing it. Either way, it was the wrong thing for David to do, um, and he could have chosen differently. Uh, but he didn't. And so what he did is he took the census. Joab actually tells him, hey, this isn't a really a good idea. Why are you doing this? Um, but Joab goes in and follows the, the king's orders anyway. Um, and, uh, and then uh, in verse 10, it says, and David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Um, and, and so then uh, David, or God, uh, speaks through the prophet Gad and says, okay, there's going to be three things that could happen. Um, choose one of them uh, for yourself. Um, so he says uh, that you, you'll have seven years of famine, uh, or you'll flee three months um, from your enemies, um, or there will be a plague uh, upon the land. And David basically says, well, I would rather put it in your hands, God, so do the plague. Um, this is a very interesting kind of back and forth that's going here. Um, I, I think this is one of those things that God is is displeased with the direction that the people are going, um, and this is kind of one of those consequences. And uh, and so we have a plague that comes upon Israel, and uh, David is crying out to the Lord, uh, verse 17, then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. Um, and then uh, David goes up to the, the altar of Aranua, uh, the Jebusite, um, and he wants to, which is where he saw the angel, um, and he wants to go and sacrifice there. Um, one kind of important thing here is that the uh, Arana, the Jebusite, says, no, I'll just give this to you. And David says, uh, no, I'm going to uh, buy it. He says, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. All right? Kind of this this idea that the 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 punishment of sin is going to cost, and David recognized that it was going to cost, and so he uh, buys that place, and the plague is then withdrawn uh, from Israel. Um, again, in in First Chronicles twenty one, uh, you have that same story, um, and uh, it's 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 a tough story to for us to wrestle with, uh, but the things that that I really see is one, it's a fulfillment of the problem with kings is that they start to uh, to to rule over the people and to see the people as basically pawns, um, right? And uh, and then we also have the the idea of of the punishment for sin that it does cost, um, that it's it's not free, um, which again is you know whenever. Uh, Jesus enters the picture, uh, you know, hundreds of years later um, for the forgiveness of sins, for all of our sins, has a very high cost uh, involved. So now let's, we'll go to 1 Kings, uh, 1 and 2 Kings. Um, this is basically picking up at 
uh, the the end of David's life. He's getting very old, and it's like, okay, who's now going to uh, to rule? And so one of David's sons, uh, Ad- Adonijah, <laughs> Adonijah. Now that's not right, but I, I I will just continue to to butcher it. But he. He was uh, thinking that he was going to be able to uh, be the next king, and he just kind of started acting that way. Uh, but he didn't really have the support of some of the key people. And and it's interesting what we see um, that Abathar, the priest, did follow and help and help uh, Anagi, um, but some of the other priests did not. Um, and and you start to see some turmoil. And and so you have Nathan, the prophet Nathan, goes to Bathsheba and says, hey, you may need to go talk to David about this. What's what's going on? So Bathsheba goes uh, and talks to David and says, hey, you, you don't know this, but uh, Adonijah is, is uh, coming up and basically starting to garner support and and he's going to assume the throne. And David uh, realizes, no, that's not what he wants. And David wants Solomon uh, to uh, take the the throne. It says, uh, verse 28, then King David answered and said, call Bathsheba to me. So she came to the king's presence uh, and the king told her, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, assuredly, Solomon, your son shall be king after me and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this uh, this day. And so it's interesting that uh, Adonijah is throwing this big party, basically kind of his coronation party, um, even though David hasn't died yet. Uh, Adonijah is doing that. And then uh, you have Nathan and, and uh, the allies of, of David uh, who gather with Solomon uh, and basically install him as the next king. Um, and uh, verse 49, kind of an interesting, th- says, so all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose and each went on his own way. So basically that was a very abrupt ending to the party. Um, and they all realized, oh, we sided with the wrong person, um, that, that Solomon is the one who is going to be king. Um, and it says, uh, <laughs> so David begins to, uh, to talk with, with Solomon and, uh, tells him uh, a few few different things. Sorry, there we go. Um, and David kind of tells you know there's some there's some things that you're going to have to take care of uh, now that I'm going to die, and there's people that you're going to have to hold uh, to account. And so we're gonna we're gonna see those uh, here in chapter two. One one thing that's interesting right in chapter two is the words that David gives to Solomon. Uh, it says, uh, I go the way of, of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your son takes heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And I I love that uh, kind of parting words of how important it is to walk in the ways of God's statutes, to keep his commands, uh, to to walk before him in truth. Uh, Right, 
that's words of wisdom to all of us that we should be striving to do that. Um, and then David tells Solomon, you need to take care of Joab because Joab had, uh, one, he had killed innocent people that David did not want him to. Uh, he also sided with uh, Abinadab uh, and and not with Solomon. Now that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a hostile takeover, um, but he was going against the king's uh, will. And so then we have the death of David. Uh, It's interesting. It's just only a couple verses there that David uh, died. Um, But then Solomon sat on the throne of his father's, uh, of his father, David, and his kingdom was firmly established. So then Solomon uh, ends up executing uh, Anagi, um, he actually is planning on not doing it. Um, he, he says, I, I'm, I, I, if you kind of do what you're supposed to do and don't cause problems, I'm not going to kill you. Um, but then uh, Adonijah asked to have, and this is kind of interesting, he, he asked to have uh, Abishag, uh, who was a concubine of David's, uh, as his wife. Well, remember, that that's kind of a symbol. When you took the concubines of a king, you were, in a sense, claiming that now you are the king. Um, and so Solomon sees that as um, Abinadi breaking his word, and so he uh, has him put to death. Uh, also, uh, Abathar, the uh, priest uh, who sided with uh, Abinadi, he is also, he is uh, exiled. He is not killed, but he is exiled. And then Joab uh, is killed um, because of the the innocent people that he had, had killed uh, and siding against Solomon. Uh, then we have in uh, chapter two, uh, Shimei. I remember Shimei was the one who had sided with Saul, um, and the, and then David had forgiven and said that he was going he wouldn't wouldn't kill him, even though he was advised that he should. Well, Solomon tells Shimei, um, I I will not kill you, but you basically have to stay in this the area that I send you, um, and. After a period of about three years, Shimei leaves, and Solomon says, well, I told you not to leave, and now that you did, um, I'm going to take you out. And he does. <laughs> uh, First Chronicles 21 uh, is, the, is that story, again, uh, that's the same as, uh, first, as 2 Samuel 24. Um, uh, so you, you can read that and see the differences uh, between uh, those uh, two accounts. So it, we're going to... Uh, close our time today reading Psalm four, five, and six. But uh, but th- this part is is interesting because you start to see how the the nation um, is starting to find some turmoil um, again because they've been moving further away from seeing God as their ruler uh, and king and focusing more on the earthly king, right? So you have David and then and then you had uh, this transition to Solomon and some people wanted uh, David's older son, some people wanted Solomon. You just start to see how when, when you start focusing and relying on earthly kings that Things start to go bad, uh, especially whenever you are a people uh, who have been called uh, to to be representatives of God, and the people are not. Um, and so, I want to uh, close with Psalms four, five, and six. Uh, 
many of these psalms, and on next Tuesday, uh, we're going to have uh, just a bunch of psalms again, like we we did, kind of quite a few of them. These are kind of in the many of these are in the section of the the laments of of. The, the psalms that are written when things are not going well. And um, I, th- I think it's important as you read the psalms, what you see is the very human emotion that all of us have and how we can be honest and share that with God. Um, so again, there were lots of reasons that David had to lament. He he had a, an up and down life, right? He was chased by Saul. He became king. He was kicked out by his son. Um, just a lot of challenges. And so these are some of the laments that David would have written um, in during those times. Psalm 4, um, I, I love that. It says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. Um, right, because sometimes we feel like God isn't hearing our prayer, and David is calling on him, please hear my prayer. And it says, how long, O you sons of men, will you turn uh, my glory to, uh, to shame? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Not interesting. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Right. So whenever you're feeling angry, uh, you don't don't act on that anger, but rather meditate and turn that over to the Lord. Um, I, uh, the end of that verse eight says, "I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety." And so clearly, this was written at a time where he didn't necessarily feel safe, uh, but yet he he recognizes and chooses to put his trust uh, in the Lord. Psalm 5 is a prayer for guidance. It says, uh, verse 4, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell within you. Verse 7, But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. And it says, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. And so he he feels he needs direction. And so he's crying out to the Lord. Um, In verse 9, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destructive. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsel. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. So he's, he's He's crying out against his enemies, those who are who are uh, attacking him. In verse eleven, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. And and then Psalm six is is a a prayer of faith in times of distress. This is a just a really good one. It says, "O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak." O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Right? He's just, he's kind of at his wit's end. Verse six I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eyes waste because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Man, I mean, he's clearly not able to sleep. He's overcome by grief. 
Verse 8, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. All right, so I love these Psalms. And if you're when you're struggling, man, read through the Psalms. It, they, they will definitely speak to you. There are going to be times that you feel um, like you're all alone, that you feel overwhelmed. Um, be honest with God about that. Cry out to God and he will give you peace. Uh, it may not he may not answer you in the way that you would want, uh, but he will give you peace and rest. I hope that you have a great weekend, and we will see you on Tuesday. And on this, on next Tuesday, we've got quite a few uh, psalms that we're going to read. So let me, let me give them to you real quick. 9 through 14, 16, 17, 22, 25 through 28, 31, 35, 36, 38, 40 and 41. All right. So we'll, we'll hit those. I'll read them again on, on Tuesday. Um, but I uh, hope that you have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next Tuesday.